Welcome to the latest podcast for the India Fund, ticker symbol IFN. I'm Mike Taggart, Aberdeen's U.S. Closed-End Fund Specialist. Today we have James Tom, Senior Investment Director of Asian Equities at Aberdeen and a Portfolio Manager on IFN. James, thank you for joining us today. Great to be with you, Mike. Now, most investors listening understand the potential for growth in Indian stock markets. The most populous nation on the planet, the rise of a highly educated middle class, and all of the economic dynamics stemming from that. In which specific segments is the India Fund poised to benefit from India's growth? So at this point in time, I think there are three key kind of themes that we're excited about and positioned around in the India Fund uh, at the moment. And those three themes are the residential real estate cycle, the capex and infrastructure spending cycle, and the credit cycle. And I highlight these three because they are all at a sort of interesting inflection point. All have been uh, in a pretty uh, subdued, subpar kind of level for, for quite a number of years now. Uh, so if you take the residential real estate cycle, it's been through a prolonged kind of seven to nine year downturn. And now we've got uh, a situation where inventory levels are uh, the lowest they've been in a very long time and prices are moving and sales are accelerating uh, very rapidly. And we are in maybe the sort of second year or so of a what should be, we believe, a, a prolonged upcycle for uh, residential uh, real estate. So we are positioning around that um, as one theme on the infrastructure side. It's slightly different. It's um, very much tied to what the government of India is doing. They have increased the uh, amount of expenditure going into capex and uh, uh, infrastructure development by about a third um, for the last three years. And that's driving a material increase in projects and programs across a range of different areas. So uh, plenty going on there. And then on financials, uh, similar to the real estate cycle, um, we've had a prolonged downturn uh, in terms of credit growth. And now finally, it's coming back. So um, so we're well positioned in the banks and non-bank financial companies as well. It all sounds very, uh, very positive. But, you know, with all of the enthusiasm for the India growth story, I have to imagine that, you know, valuations are getting stretched at this point. Or is that not the case? No, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, it's important to remember that India has always traded a premium to uh, other uh, Asian markets um, and most of the rest of the world. And so some of that is justified. You're paying, obviously, for the, that long-term growth potential and all the attractions of the market that you um, uh, just highlighted earlier. Um, but that premium has widened over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, and India has outperformed um, the rest of uh, Asia over over that period. So you are paying um, more than you were, and certain parts of the market are looking a bit frothy. We saw last year, for example, a very strong rally in the small and mid-cap segments of the market. So certainly valuation multiples are feeling quite stretched there, uh, and maybe large caps a little bit more 
reasonable on uh, on a relative basis. So I think it's important to a you know take a long term view and not go into investing in India with with a sort of short term uh, expectation, uh, and b just be selective uh, in your stock picks and, uh, and and cautious on valuation where where you can. So as a follow-up, James, since it sounds like it's hard to find good valuation for securities in the market currently, you know, could you just remind us of the investment approach that your team takes when selecting securities for the India Fund? Yes. So I think first and foremost, we are a, a quality investor. So we are trying to identify the best quality companies uh, in India. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, typically these are, you know, market leaders in attractive uh, industry segments with decent growth uh, potential. Uh, they will have a track record of strong, profitable growth, good management teams, uh, usually higher than normal kind of margins and return metrics. Um, and also strong ESG credentials. Um, and so that's what we're looking for. And sometimes that does mean that we're prepared to pay a premium for quality. Uh, and our philosophy and view is that quality tends to be synonymous with long-term compounders. And often, even if you're paying um, what seems to be a full price today, uh, these long-term compounders can be uh, undervalued uh, and the full sort of quality and, and value of those stocks isn't recognized over through the cycle and over the longer term. So, uh, so we try uh, and be sensible on valuation. Um, it is possible to be a bit contrarian, look at sectors that are perhaps, um, you know, less in, in the, in the sort of hot zone and, and try and find value there. You can go down the market cap spectrum and find, you know, under researched companies where maybe there's quality, but, but, but the value's still not been uh, fully kind of understood and recognized by the market. So that's really how we uh, approach it and think about it. You and your team are based in Singapore. How often do you get, you know, shoes on the ground in India? What types of due diligence do you perform and what do you look for in companies and corporate governance before you invest? Yeah, so Singapore's not uh, not so far from India, so it's a relatively easy uh, trip for us to make, and we do that as a team four to five times a year. Uh, I myself was uh, just uh, over there in December in uh, both Mumbai and Delhi, and uh, the aim really of those trips is to meet with a combination of companies that we already hold in the portfolio and do our sort of regular checks, if you like, um, to make sure that our investment thesis is kind of tracking um, in line with expectations and to uh, to meet with the management teams and then also to supplement that with meeting with new ideas and, and potential kind of uh, candidates for the for the portfolio and as I said you know we are a quality uh, investor and so fundamental to our process is that meeting with the company and with the management teams kicking the tires um, and trying to a I guess just get comfort that um, you know, what you read about in the disclosures and so forth is real. The assets are there, the company's there, the people are there. But you also have the opportunity to pick up on some of the kind of softer elements and, and less tangible elements by visiting companies yourself. Um, you know, things like just how, how the business is run, what the culture's like. Is it, uh, you know, is it sort of frugal or flash? You know, is it, is it a place that's got gold taps in the bathroom and maybe is being a little careless with shareholder funds? Uh, or is it uh, a professionally run kind of sensible looking operation? So, so these sorts of things, um, we find, uh, invaluable. 
it's an election year in India as it is in the U.S. And, you know, the current feeling here in the U.S. is that this could go one way or the other. You know, if one side wins, country heads in one direction. If the other side wins, country heads in the opposite direction. Is it the same in India or will the economic growth continue regardless of the election outcome? It is, it is different. Um, firstly, because I think the kind of political, uh, picture is very different. It's, um, the polls would suggest that it is, uh, Prime Minister Modi's election to win and that he's highly likely to secure a third term. And it would be a surprise, therefore, if, uh, if he didn't. So there's much less kind of uncertainty there. Um, you know, at worst, maybe he loses his majority and, and then you get into a slightly more complex coalition type uh, structure and that might have an impact on the ability to kind of implement policy. Um, but, you know, never say never. If, if, uh, the opposition Congress were to, were to prevail at the election, uh, in kind of May this year, then I think we would see possibly some rolling back of the kind of infrastructure story that I, um, mentioned uh, as one of the sort of attractive themes at the moment uh, in India. But even there, I, my sense is quite a bit of this kind of infrastructure spend is is now sort of strategic in nature. It's kind of tied to geopolitics. It's tied to the energy transition. It's tied to sort of the supply chain diversification out of uh, China. So I suspect even there quite a bit would uh, be kind of business as usual and we'd see continuity. Excellent. And, you know, finally, um, investors have many choices when it comes to investing in India. So from your portfolio management perspective, what are the benefits of active management in India and, you know, especially um, in a closed end fund structure? So I'm, I'm a firm believer in, in active management, particularly when it comes to a market like uh, India, where it is, you know, so easy to kind of lose your shirt, um, where things like kind of corporate governance are, you know, vital to your due diligence process and stock selection process. Um, India, like many other Asian markets, is a country where you typically have one single dominant shareholder um, that, uh, it's important that you kind of run your checks on, you, you get comfortable that they're going to be, you know, good custodians of your capital and not, uh, not kind of overlook minority shareholder interests. And, and so an active approach is, is just fundamental to, to that really. Um, and, and I think, uh, it also gives you that opportunity to, as I said, kind of hunt for under-researched companies where values perhaps not fully appreciated, but but you can still find really good quality. And a closed-end f- structure will uh, allow you the flexibility to do that as well. So to sort of go down that market cap spectrum, to take a bit more liquidity risk because you've got that kind of permanent capital base and to find some hopefully really, you know, great quality companies in, in that part of the market, which will drive long-term um, returns for you. Um, and then all of the other, you know, benefits that come with, with a closed end fund, really. So not having to manage to kind of daily flows, that permanent capital I mentioned, the ability to, to invest at, at a discount sometimes to, to NAV and, and to benefit from quarterly distributions as well. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, James, for that update on IFN, the India Fund. It's always a pleasure hearing from you. Thanks very much, Mike. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this podcast. There are three convenient ways to learn more about IFN. On the internet, visit abrdnifn.com. 
email us at investor.relations at abrdn.com or give us a call at 1-800-522-5465. I'm Mike Taggart of Aberdeen. Thank you for listening. This podcast is provided for general information only and assumes a certain level of knowledge of financial markets. It is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered as an offer, investment recommendation or solicitation to deal in any of the investments or products mentioned herein and does not constitute investment research. The views in this podcast are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily reflect those of Aberdeen. The companies discussed in this podcast have been selected for illustrative purposes only or to demonstrate our investment management style and not as an investment recommendation or indication of their future performance. The value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up and investors may get back less than the amount invested. Past performance is not a guide to future returns, return projections or estimates and provide no guarantee of future results.